Hi, I'm Hope. I'm a former journalist and now run my own PR company. Throughout my career, I've spoken to and written about some really interesting people. The problem with newspapers, magazines and even radio is that you only have a certain amount of words to tell someone's story. And that's often not enough. I've started this podcast to delve deeper into the people behind the headlines and to allow them to really tell their stories. Join me as I interview inspirational people with really interesting stories to tell. It's an article for your ears. Hello and welcome back to the Hot Off The Press podcast, the podcast that delves deeper into the people behind the headlines and gives you an article for your ears. Today I'm chatting to someone with a really interesting story who's been on a hell of a journey and ultimately has changed her whole life with just her mind and her body. So I'm chatting to Melanie Griffiths today. Hello. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Good. So you, you've been on a massive journey. Tell me where the journey began when you got that piece of news. Um, so this is about 17 years ago now. I was living out in the States and um, I'd, gosh, I have to sort of go back a little bit to build the picture. But um, so I was living out in the States. I'd ended up out there from traveling. I'd had some health issues prior to, to all this uh, that came about. And I'd been doing a little bit of, I'd been learning about uh, the mind-body connection while I was living out in the States. So from teenage years, I'd had some menstrual health issues, um, excessive menstrual hemorrhaging, um, which the conventional doctors could find no reason for. So I had that background. And fast forward a few years and I was traveling in the States and I ended up out in California enrolled in a program learning about mind body connection life changed i met someone got married health didn't pick up at that point um and then we made a move from the west coast to the east coast and just by chance i decided to get a smear test and um i hadn't had that in a few years and if you know anything about the states it's all private healthcare. so unlike the uk where we've got national health service um, it all depends on your insurance. So we happened to have insurance at the time, which we hadn't had for a while. I got a smear test and it came back abnormal. And so it was with a question mark. So they did further investigations, looked more closely at the cervix. I had a something called a cone biopsy, which revealed that I had a stage three cervical cancer adenocarcinoma which is a serious aggressive tumor. So it's a little bit different. There's, there's different kinds of cervical cancer. Um, and the most common one, I think they use something called, or they used to use something called the LEAP procedure, which is where they laser the cells off the top of the cervix. So mine was something different um, where that couldn't be, they couldn't use that method with it anyway. And um, the upshot of it was they wanted to give me a hysterectomy, radiate the ovaries and remove the lymph nodes which was a bit of a shock. I was in my early thirties and I, like I said, I'd done a bit of mind body connection. So I was starting to sort of join the dots between what's going on in the mind, the emotions and the body. And I thought, I don't, I don't want this. Um, and in fact I had, there was a car journey from the oncologists. Um, I think we'd spent about an hour with them grilling. What, what is going on in here? What do you know? And, 
they said there is so much precancerous activity around the tumour we have no idea whether your system is riddled with cancer or there's nothing going on we don't know um, but if you do nothing conventionally we give you about six months to live um, which is it's obviously quite a dramatic statement to hear and I thought right okay um, and I had this car journey back um, and I, I remember this this almost scream coming out of my body which resulted in a load of tears crying my um then husband pulled the car over and I I said I've got to preserve my right to have children I can't I can't do this <clears throat> so from um after that point I I sat for about a week and I meditated and I'd been doing that on and off for a few years at that point and I didn't talk to anyone about what had happened and I came out of I came out of that and I thought, I know two things. I need to go back to the UK. I wasn't happy in the States with life at the time. And I need to leave my marriage, which I also wasn't happy in. And that was all I knew. And that was the beginning of the journey. I also knew I didn't want to take conventional, I didn't want to follow the conventional wisdom. And one of the other things I did, there's so many elements to my story, I, I often forget little bits, but one of the other things I did was I went online and, and just kind of researched my diagnosis. And I came across someone um, who lived in the States, in Florida, I think, who had had something similar and had healed herself holistically. And I contacted her and had a conversation. She worked with people and I decided it wasn't the right fit for me. But what I did is I printed out her story and I remember having it in my hand luggage when I came back from the States to the UK. And it was the one thing that made me think, I can do this. There's one other person out there that's done it. And she'd gone on to have uh, a child and live a great life. I thought, I'm, I can do this. So I came back. I had nothing. I had no job. I had no money. Landed on the doorstep of my parents early 30s, not not really the, the thing you want to be doing at that point, announcing I had this diagnosis and I was going to be healing holistically. Now, I come from a conventional family, so the news wasn't greeted with, <laughs> with joy and rapture. But I just thought, um, I remember thinking, I don't know if I, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I remember the words in my head thinking, fuck that, it, I am not, cancer is not taking me. If I go, it's on my terms. And I think it was that drive that propelled what was to be the next four years, really, <clears throat> of intense looking after myself. And I did everything. I, so I'd left the UK, moved back in with family, had nothing. They were terrified. I was like, right, now what? <laughs> now what, what now? I think the first thing I did is I went to the library and found a book on nutrition related to cancer and realised I would have to follow a fairly strict diet to... And the idea behind strict diets with cancer is that your tumours feed off of salt, sugar, fat, all the stuff we love, they do too. So the idea is you're starving the tumour. So I went on... I tried to do this on my own, realised I couldn't found a group called the Nutritional Cancer Therapy Trust and joined their programme, um, which is kind of a hybrid. If anybody's 
listening to this and knows anything about holistic treatments with cancer, there's a famous diet called the Gerson diet, which has been going for years, huge amounts of juicing. And the Nutritional Cancer Therapy Trust was <clears throat> an element of that. They, they involved juicing. So I, I got on that program, which was pretty hard going um, because I had spent my 20s healing from disordered eating patterns <clears throat> from my teen years, excuse me, <clears throat> and growing up doing a lot of ballet and being in the the dance world. So to go on another diet was not my idea of fun at that point. I'd, I'd learned how to eat. I didn't really want to have to, to mess around with that, but I thought I've got to do this. Um, and I literally ripped the floorboards up on my life and who I thought I was. I knew I wasn't happy. And I remember this walk out in when we were out in Maine and my then husband said to me afterwards, he said, I watched you out of the window and I just knew life would have to change. And the walk I was having, I remember thinking, if this is my life, I don't want to live it anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing anything I want to do. I'm so far from where I want to be. I'm not even sure what that is at that, at this point. So it was kind of, although it was a gamble, it was like, I felt like I had nothing to lose. I knew then removing my body parts was not going to make me a happier person. So, um, like I say, back and I, I journaled daily. I uh, meditated. Um, I actually took up running, which I had never been a runner. I had grown up doing a lot of dance, never been a runner, but I was out walking one day and I heard this voice in my head say, I want to go faster. And that's what I did. And I think that first year back in the UK, I ran every day. Didn't really know what I was doing, but I... It was that feet on the ground, head in the air, and I just needed a pair of shoes and somewhere to go. And and I actually wrote an article for a fantastic magazine called Like the Wind, which is a running magazine, on the relationship between running and my recovery from cancer called The Fix. And it, I always think running was really the backbone. There were so many things, but I think running was the backbone because it, it, it was this structure where I just put the shoes on and I just went. It was just me. And the days when there was so much energy because of the detoxification and I couldn't sit still and meditate, running was the thing. Um, so I did that. I worked, we tackled family relationship issues. So there were, you know, things that needed addressing. Um, and I ended up living with family for seven years, which I always find hard to, to say. But I also think we became so close as a result of my cancer that I will never have that time with them again. And because I am now not living with them anymore. And it, it, so that time actually became really precious. And I got to know them as people. You know, we grow up with our parents and we have this view of them. And I think going through that process, it, I got to see them as people in their own right with their strengths and fragilities that we all have. So our relationship strengthened. And I, I always say that cancer was really the watershed moment for me. I, it, I've, I've heard it and read it described as a gift. And for me, it, it definitely was. It was the thing that propelled me to take action. Um, I also went back into dance and dance was, I'd been dancing since I was about three. And I hadn't done it for probably nearly 10 years. Um, and I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine in the UK when I was out in the States. And she said, 
you're not dancing, but dancing is like breathing to you. And that sort of stayed with me. And so I went back into it, and but I went back into it in a way that was honoring to my body. I'd grown up in the dance world of technical training and performance based, and that had destroyed my joy of movement. So now I was learning about moving and moving was a, you know, I've realized is a big part of who I am. I'm always moving. I'm always researching movement. I'm, I'm doing courses with movement. I'm now teaching and facilitating and all kinds of things like that. But I had to get back into it. So it started off with belly dance, which was amazing and so honoring of the female body and such a wonderful group of women. And then I went from there to a technique called the near technique, um, which is a holistic form of movement invo involving many different movement forms. And then I trained to teach that and I still do a, a hybrid of that today. Um, so many, um, so many different things I did. I just, I literally listened and was guided to the next thing. I met people um, who, were helpful in my recovery. I worked with a wonderful homeopathic nurse um, in Sussex who had skills with just being able to listen to someone and make recommendations. Um, I took action where it felt appropriate for me. Um, I started uh, I started doing healing work, which was something I trained to do in California. And I lived at that I hadn't done anything with. And interestingly, that was the call I felt as part of the recovery was start doing readings and healings. And I remember the first reading I did, I'd put my little card in the local, the local shop. So this is 17 years ago. So the internet wasn't where it is today. And the first person I read was the mother of the local doctor <laughs> who had cancer herself. So it was, it was kind of right in there. And then that just took off. Um, that was very serendipitous. People came as I worked with them in a clairvoyant counselling way um, and also doing hands-on healing. So I got more information about my own system and how to move forwards. And, and, that, and I continue working with people on a one-to-one -one basis today. And it, it became, I carried on with that process for four years. And then I woke up one morning and thought, it's time to go and get a smear test. And I come back to the UK and I hadn't had any contact with doctors. I decided I'm not going to work with them. I personally feel they're not going to give me the mental space I need to do this. And I know I can do this. And I don't, I don't want that. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't really want to use the word negative, but that limited thinking in my thinking as I, as I heal. So I just made an appointment um, and got a smear test back and it came back clear and which was amazing. So how long ago was it that you were told that you'd have potentially six months left to live? That was probably about six, 17 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I think it's about 17, 18. I've, I've lost track of time a bit. But either way, it's longer than six months. Yes, yes, it's a lot longer. <laughs> That's incredible. So all of those things that you did basically led you to cure yourself of cancer yeah yeah I believe so yeah so yeah. you mentioned the mind and body stuff explain that a little bit more so um I've been thinking about this so much over the last few weeks um 
I really, it's, it's about, for me, it's about my body is constantly giving me messages and it's whether I choose to listen to them or not. That's, that's in its simplistic term. I also believe we need a certain amount of education to understand the messages. So um, there, there is that element. And I really believe that a lot of physical ailments are the body trying to talk to the self, the spirit, whatever you, you regard that as, and saying, there's something wrong here, please listen and make adjustments. And so I've spent, and I, I think when I got the clear smear test back and it was like, yay, we had a big family party. I also knew it was the beginning of my journey. It was like the cancer was like this pre-show thing. And it was like, okay, now this is about what you do from here. And so I, my practice is meditation, journaling, anything that gets me listening. Um, and it's now I'm in the space of, it's like a maintenance state, which means, and I always think if you've gone through an extreme health or healing crisis, um, you're in the euphoria to start with, that survival, I've got through it and there's a drive there. And then you get to a place where it kind of plateaus out a bit, which is where you can drop back into previous behavior patterns, which might not be in your best interest. And so this is the time to really pay attention. So it's a constant adjustment. So sometimes I'm not hearing it through meditation. Sometimes I need to be writing. Sometimes I need to be out walking with the dogs. Sometimes I'm, I'm swimming and, and a light bulb moment goes off. And it's my job to constantly listen to the body and say, okay, what do you want to eat? What do you want to do next? How do you feel? And I realise that we all have really busy lives, although less busy at the moment, I imagine. Um, but... And that, and so a lot of people will say, oh, but I've got to do this, this, and this, and this. And I think the thing we have to do, because that's happened to me since I've had cancer, is those laundry lists of activities and to-dos will spring up and I'll go, but I can't stop and listen. And what I have learned is if I don't, it gets worse. The whatever gets louder and, and I have to slow down again. And so somehow we have to constantly create that space and we have to, to prioritise in our life. We can't, you know, there is a thinking out there, I think, that we can have it all. I've seen that. And I think you can't have it all at once. <laughs> you, it's, it's about prioritising what's important and, and being committed to your own health and well-being. And I think that commitment takes you a long way. And now there are so many resources out there online to help you find that connection within. Um, I still think for me that sitting down and finding the quiet, AKA meditation, and I'm not talking about anything like transcendental or out of body, I'm talking about find a quiet space, sit down for two minutes, switch your phone off, close your eyes and breathe. And yeah. for me, that is the thing that we're, oh, that's it awesome. really is that simple so how do you um help others because you mentioned the dance um a yeah. while ago. so tell us more about that and what you do for other people okay so um so now i offer a variety of movement classes 
Um, and my whole thing, some of it's dance based, dance and fitness based. My whole thing is joy of movement. If it's not fun, don't do it. I don't care what kind of program you're on to try and feel better in yourself or lose weight, etc. If you're not enjoying it, you are not going to stick with it. Um, so the classes I do, I have a dance fitness class called Dance Groove, which I always say is my replacement for nightclub dancing. Um, partly because I wouldn't be able to stay up that late anyway, even if they were still open. And that is just any any track from my, tends to be from my youth. <laughs> I think if I could get away with disco in 80s, um, and there'd be a few 40-something women out there going, yay, <laughs> I would do just that. But we do, so that class is uh, disco 80s, 90s, Bollywood burlesque, belly dance, uh, Charleston, salsa samba. It's a mix of anything. And I try to put together these playlists that are like, oh yeah, this is what I, I, I try to create classes I want to go to. That's my aim. Um, and then, so that's quite an energetic class. Um, um, my, my thing with the classes is really to support people as well. So they're not just a, a sort of a faceless person in the class. I want to know who they are, what they're getting out of it, how it's working for them. I love feedback. Um, I also have a class called Dance Chillax, which is um, inspired by my Nia training. Um, and it's kind of lyrical movement with a bit of powerful kind of martial arts energy and yoga like stretching set to world music so upbeat world music it's got a bit of rhythm but it's a gentler experience um you still get cardiovascular workout but the patterns of movement are simpler it's barefoot and it's very much about sensory connection so i, I always say if you looked at this class from the outside it would look bizarre because people are encouraged to interpret the movements in their own way it's the class that irons out the kinks of all the other things i do um i i absolutely love it and i always find when i step into this class and i and everyone else steps in and i talk about that letting go of the rest of the world or the rest of the day it's just that release so it's energizing and relaxing at the same time and then so I'll just carry on. I was just going to say, um, ask you about the sort of plans that you had with the classes, because you mentioned that you obviously COVID restrictions allowing um, have some exciting. Yeah. So um, interestingly, I have listened to my, to my own body and made the decision not to go back to teaching weekly classes in person. I've decided to keep the classes online and also build an on-demand library. And that's kind of come out of the fact that I was running around like crazy prior to COVID and actually getting a bit burnt out and injured. So I thought, that's not really good promotion for what I'm offering. But my plans are to offer more one-off workshops, you know, morning day events in person so that people can come together, um, bringing the different classes I do. And then also uh, prior to COVID, I started going into dance and movement holidays and we'll be picking that up in 2022 all things you know world permitting so we've got one holiday going to turkey which um is almost nearly full i believe and that goes in may 2022 
which will be a blend of the dance groove, the dance chillax, and uh, possibly some bar work, bar fitness, which I consider female strength and conditioning. And then the really exciting thing I, I hope to be getting off the ground next year as well, and I'm in the process of creating it, is uh, more themed dance holidays. And um, I have a holiday planned to Skiathos in Greece, which will be a Mamma Mia inspired dance holiday, which Hope may even join us on. Definitely going to be joining <laughs> that one. <laughs> which will be taking, obviously, the music of ABBA, and I am a massive ABBA fan. I remember being in front of Top of the Pops at the age of three, dancing to Mamma Mia, and taking that and doing some ABBA aerobics, ABBA, and possibly learning a routine for the film, something like that. So I'm in the process of creating that at the moment. <laughs> I think that's what everyone was uh, hoping to hear today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So what would your advice be to someone who is on a journey themselves and is kind of unsure of what direction to take themselves in um, and is kind of looking for inspiration, I guess? Um, well, there's some fantastic online resources. Obviously, get in touch with me. I'm always happy to have a chat. And that's, you know, not a, a charge chat, just a chat. I always want, if I can help people, um, I offer one-to-one -one sessions as well, which is separate from a, so we do a guided, guided meditation, or I'm looking at the energy field. Um, there are some wonderful books out there. Uh, there are lo lots of different resources. Um, I'm also hoping to launch, and this is something I am literally in the incubation stages as an online course that is helping people tune in to their own intuition to help themselves um, recover or change their lives in any way. And I am literally, I've just started. So that is very at the, but that should hopefully be within the next year that coming out. Um, and keep it simple. That's the other thing, keep it simple. Listen, do what feels good. So, you know, don't get caught up if, for example, with movement, don't get caught up in the latest fitness fad. Um, if your body says, I want to go for a walk in the sunshine, but you think you should be doing high impact Zumba classes, guess which one is going to work? It's the walk in the sunshine. And I, I coach people on a personal training level as well. And that is the one thing I always get asked, what is the best form of exercise? And I always say it's the one you're going to stick with. It doesn't matter what. <laughs> So it really is that, and take some time to slow down and either sit, find the quiet for two minutes or write. If you're not someone that can easily find that meditation, get a pad, paper out and just write. Let that flow start. Find a way in is the way, is the thing I think. Yeah, that's really good advice, thank you. So where can we find you? Okay, so, um, I do have a website, which is uh, www.movementjunkie.co.uk. It is in kind of, uh, it, it's in going to be updated. The most, the best place to find me is actually on Facebook, which is um, again, Movement Junkie. Um, so the, if that's my business page. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Movement Melanie and LinkedIn as Melanie Griffiths and any of those I will respond to messages, um, so please. And also, I would just love to hear other people's journeys. I would love to hear how 
you're all getting on you know what's working for you i'm always interested in just what people come up with what what takes them to the next stage in their life as well fab well thank you so much for joining me your story is just incredible um and you say it as if it's just just nothing but it, it really is incredible so yeah it's been great to have you on thank you so much for joining me oh hope it's such a pleasure thank you thank you for interviewing me if you liked what you heard today make sure you subscribe on spotify and apple podcast to hear more inspirational stories